Uh, Craig Detweiler in three, two, one. Thanks for joining us on this edition of the Pottercast. I'm Michael Potter. Appreciate you being here. Joined by Craig Detweiler, the dean over here at Grand Canyon University. And just before we started, you've renamed the college. A lot of changes. Craig, tell everybody why you came here, what the name of the college is, what you guys are trying to accomplish here at Grand Canyon. Well, I was um, so impressed when I got on campus and just the energy that was flowing across this campus, literally having to dodge skateboards and scooters, <laughs> you know, and, and, and just the amazing diversity of students and, you know, from all over the nation. I, I just was like, at a time when a lot of colleges are contracting and struggling, here's a college that's booming. And so I was just like, what is up with GCU? What is it about this university that is, um, you know, got a different spirit? Yeah. about it and so I was just immediately intrigued and then when we dug down a little bit deeper and I talked to President Mueller and, and his team um, their desire to not just compete as the very best in, in you know in, in basketball and in soccer and volleyball you know all these different sports but also they want to see the same kind of thing happen with media you know can we have some world-class uh, musicians singers songwriters actors um, you know, performers of all types, um, people who might be making movies or designing, you know, cars or ad campaigns. So we renamed the college the College of Arts and Media. So it's C-A-M, and it really is for any student who's doing something both in front of the camera or behind the camera, right? So whether you're a performer yeah. or whether you're that person who's telling that story um, off screen, you know, working on editing, working on post-production, working on sound design, um, maybe helping create posters and marketing campaigns. We're interested in all of that aspect. Um, and, and it's been great to just be here. I haven't been here, you know, a year yet. And we've already um, just seen about, I don't know, 10, 15, 20% growth year wow. over year. So, so there's a lot of students out there that want to come to a private, affordable Christian education and get involved in arts and media. You've been in the business a while, changed immensely. How different is it from when you got started back years ago? Well, I, you know, the, the media was controlled by so few gatekeepers mm -hmm. back in the day where you had just a few networks and just a few studios. And, um, you know, the rise of, of things like YouTube, um, the rise of TikTok, the ability for students to develop, to develop their own brands on Instagram. It's just a very different time. And so uh, for an entrepreneurial artist, I feel like mm. there are more opportunities maybe than ever before. And you don't have to necessarily be from New York or LA, right, to be discovered. You can be discovered from wherever you are because you can be your own broadcaster. You can build your own audience right, um, and build your own brand. Yeah, it used to be back in the day, uh, if you wanted to make a film, you, you started with a short probably, you begged and borrowed, had your dad give you 25, 30, 40, 50 grand if you did it to buy film. <laughs> you didn't want to waste any of it. You had to be tight. Exactly. Totally changed since then. Oh, you know, the digital tools are, are truly revolutionary. The things that are literally placed in a kid's hand, even when they're, you know, 8, 10, 12 years old. 
um, the ability to immediately record yourself and to post it and to be seen. It's, it's in a sense, it's dangerous, right? Mm -hmm. Because kids can, in a sense, be <laughs> discovered and unfiltered. Yeah. But it's also tremendous power. And yeah. so uh, what we're doing here at, at Grand Canyon and, and the College of Arts and Media is hopefully helping them understand the power that God's placed in their hands. And how do they um, use that both responsibly and um, also use it in a way that it brings, you know, glory uh, to God. Yeah, I was going to ask you, th so this easy access, easy platforms to put stuff on, whether that's a good thing or a bad thing. It might not be that easy of a delineation of a good thing or a bad <laughs> thing. But yeah, you can literally with your camera make something that looks better than maybe somebody made, you know, 30 years ago, and you can put it up instantly. 100%. And, and, and that um, ability to reach the masses um, has resulted, in a sense, also everybody, in a sense, being more almost like a narrow caster rather than a broadcaster. Oh, yeah. That you can find your niche, and, 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 and maybe your niche might be, you know, Lord of the Rings fans, mm -hmm. right? And you can create that podcast, and you can talk with your Lord of the Rings fans every week. Um, or maybe you have a very particular type of, of comedy or uh, a certain kind of, you know, dance style that you're interested in. You can build your community and broaden your audience um, with some just, you know, if you have like a thousand dedicated fans, that can be enough yeah. as a foothold to kind of build a whole brand out of. Yeah, you can run a business with a thousand true fans, right? If you're if you're meeting their needs. That's it. And and it's so, sort of helping students understand that um, and how to nurture that and and um, uh, basically uh, see themselves, you know, as already involved in that. So they're not just a student, but they're a student in route to building their own audience and hopefully building their own future. Was that an easy transition for you to understand mentally? Because I, I come from back in the day, too, where somebody had to tap you on the shoulder. You had to go out with your hat in your hand and somebody had to bless you to, to be in this industry. Yes, right. right. And so I get it. It makes so much sense to me, but sometimes I can't wrap my head around it. Well, I, I consider myself a bit of a learner. That's one thing I actually love about working with um, college students is that you have to stay up to date. Mm. Right. And because it changes and it moves. Um, and so even as you're teaching, hopefully you're also learning. Mm. And, and so um, I, my own focus, I, I, my background is screenwriting, um, documentaries. I've done all different kinds of, of things. But I've shifted a lot of my research even more towards not just like theology and film, but also more towards theology and technology. What is this power that's placed in our hand by the iGods, whether that's, you know, uh, Facebook or Google or Apple, uh, Amazon, these, you know, multi-billion dollar companies and ideas have placed so much power and responsibility in our hands. Um, how do we steward that and, and not be afraid of these companies, but sort of say, okay, the new world that they're building in a sense, almost in their own image, Mm -hmm. Right. It's, it's the companies are controlled by maybe people who didn't li necessarily like interpersonal communication. Mm -hmm. So they've created all these new apps that enable us to avoid interpersonal communication. Um, so to maybe understand the kind of problems they were solving and figure out how do we as people of faith navigate that world and reclaim it uh, in, a, in a beautiful way. You said it a couple of times, power and responsibility. Th those are important that those go together. Well, um, you know, it's interesting. You have some artist types, right? We're dealing with young people. You have the, the young people who maybe feel insecure about their gifts and yeah. their calling, right? We yeah. all have that 
sense. I mean, the, the fear of, of speaking, public speaking, right, is a huge fear for so many people. Um, and so a lot of it is, is helping people to, um, in a sense, tap into their calling and yeah. their sense of who God's made them to be and to proceed with confidence, right, as far mm-hmm. as whose they are right before they put themselves out there on Instagram. And now you're letting other people judge and define you. Right. So we're trying to reverse that and say, no, let's figure out who you are um, as a person who is beautiful and precious in God's sight before you then submit yourself to the crowd. So retain your power Mm. in that sense. But then we have other, other times, you know, with, with young artists, they don't take that public responsibility seriously enough Mm -hmm. and they can maybe post things that are, um, I don't know, sometimes they're silly, maybe they're offensive and they don't quite realize that, you know, I was just doing that with my friends and it's like, well, yeah, but you posted it publicly mm-hmm. and now everybody can see it. Yeah. And now you've offended some people and you've maybe said some inappropriate things. And so we're trying to help people, um, understand their responsibility, even from a very young age, right? Yeah. It's a lot of pressure to put on young people to say, well, you have to get into image management, Right. I didn't. I certainly w- w- would have been a disaster if I'd had social media, you know, when I was 13, 14 or 15. Amen. Right. <laughs> Making mistakes in public every day. Um, but yep. for, but for young people, it's like they got these these phones, but they don't necessarily come with a, a, a user's manual. Right? right. An owner's manual. And so it's understanding, you know, um, both what's possible and then what is also maybe worth filtering. Yeah. Take me back. Did you always want to do this? Was this always, you know, the goal in life for you? When um, did you realize? I, well, you know, I don't think I realized it. These, there were, you could have a job <laughs> making <laughs> making movies. I grew up on the East Coast, so there wasn't anybody I knew who was involved in entertainment. Maybe a local TV newscaster or a right. radio DJ. That'd right. be about it. But the idea of like making movies was just so far removed, and equipment was expensive, and all of that. Um, but when I went to seminary in Southern California, I started meeting people in, in the area who were involved with entertainment and they were working in film and like hated the entertainment business. Yeah. And I'm like, well, I love movies. You hate movies. Maybe we should trade places. <laughs> right. Um, and I applied to USC film school kind of on a whim as I was finishing up seminary and found myself amazed to have gotten accepted. My background was like youth ministry. I was like, hey, I do live theater for teenagers every week. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> and, and, um, and that was enough for them to be like kind of intrigued. Like, hmm, we haven't really had a, uh, you know, a, a master divinity person in our film school lately. Wow. And, um, and so I got in there and, and found that, yeah, I could make people laugh and, and cry um, yeah. as a communicator, just doing it through characters and scenarios. And um, one thing led to another. I started writing scripts and sold a few. And suddenly it was like, I guess I'm a I'm a working screenwriter. Wow. (laughs) So so it was North Carolina, then out to seminary and then USC. Yes, I went to yeah, I went to Fuller Seminary before I went to USC Film School. and so, in a Are sense, you the only master of divinity student <laughs> ever to grace the halls of USC Film School. I don't know. I don't want to say that for sure, but um, I think you might it, be. It's it's rare to have the ability to like marry, bury, baptize, or direct. Yeah, right? I don't it's, think it's, Lucas and Spielberg yeah. were MDivs. <laughs> it's it's an odd combination. Um, but uh, but I've I've had some students since then who've done that and yeah. and combined those passions and not seen them as either or. Right that. I think there was a time when it was sort of like, well, are you 
are you a missionary? Are you doing church work? Or are you, you know, kind of in the, the big bad marketplace? Yeah, absolutely. And I think we've grown, I think, as, as people of faith in our understanding that those things are inextricably intertwined, right? Yeah. That the call to the marketplace is a form of, of um, you know, ministry right. and that we should be empowering young people to pursue those kinds of callings, even though they're very tough. Of course, it's a very tough calling. It's tough to make a living sometimes in these very competitive industries. It might be easier to be like an NBA player than it is to become a Hollywood film director uh, or comparable. Um, But if that's a a young person's calling, then we should at least help them try to attend to it. And who knows what form it might take, even becoming a filmmaker within their church setting or within their community or for a, a company. Um, there's so many different ways you can tell right. stories now. Yeah, I think you're exactly right. I mean, I grew up in the Midwest, Southern Baptist, you know, church, and calling meant you were going to be a preacher or, or, or in church work. Vocation meant preaching or missionary. And then if you wanted to be a plumber, then that's great. That's how you make a living, you know. And now we've kind of, tra- you know, people have realized, well, whatever God has called you to do with your life you're a missionary, you're a preacher, you're a disciple, or you're a disciple <laughs> while you're fixing somebody's sink or starting a business as a plumber or starting a, a tech company or writing movies. That's right. Well, and it's also helping people understand that, you know, uh, you, it never justifies being a bad plumber if you're a Christian, <laughs> right, right. right? People don't want to, they want a good plumber <laughs> who might be a Christian, right? Yeah, but yeah, they never yeah. want a bad plumber. Yeah. And so in Hollywood, I've, I've tried to help people understand, like, you, it's great. I'm glad you're a Christian. I'm glad you've got a calling to write screenplays. Could you write good ones? Yeah. Because we don't need more bad ones. Yeah. Right. We went through we went through a handful of those, right? Because because it was it was trying to to hit a niche. There was a market there. People that wanted to see faith based movies, but gosh, they were bad when they started out. So people that love movies were 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 like, I don't want to see that. Right. Right. And they felt they had to see it to help, you know? True. But I think the next generation that that we're educating now is sophisticated enough to have seen, like, well, isn't, um, you know, Chronicles of Narnia and isn't Lord of the Rings? Aren't these operating at the highest levels of Hollywood? And yet this is rooted in Christian imagination of C.S. Lewis and J.R.R. Tolkien. Right. And so we have these great stories that we have, have been handed down. Um, that are rooted in fantasy and sci-fi in imagination. And we can do this, right? We can, yeah. we can, we can change the, the whole shape of, you know, uh, a network or a movie theater going experience by bringing that, that, that holistic Christian perspective. Yeah. Yeah. Do you find when you were at USC, what was that experience like for you? I mean, I think it would seem there'd be a lot of, really talented people there, but it seemed like there'd be a lot of lost people there. And how did, how did that work together? <laughs> well, my, my wife went to, uh, you know, she'd go to a lot of these screenings, these student film screenings, and at the end she'd say, like, I think therapy might be cheaper. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Mom yeah. and dad are paying 90 I, grand I'm, a year to work it out. <laughs> um, so, you know, I mean, all of us, in a sense, in, in creative endeavors are – you know, working through yeah, true, past, true. working through ang- yeah. anger or unresolved issues. Uh, did I have to put it on the screen? Maybe, maybe not necessarily yeah. the best keep that, choice. Keep that one in house. Yeah. Um, so yeah, there were definitely uh, what would we say challenging uh, films that I had to sit through. It was interesting. It didn't take much to 
<laughs> I would say provide an alternative vision. Like just having a film that ended with uh, hope, yeah, would just be like, wow, that's really interesting. Like that's different. You know, a happy ending would be kind of revolutionary in and of itself. Um, wow, because everybody crazy. was kind of trying to out Tarantino each other. <laughs> you know, it's like, oh, I'm bloodier. I'm more profane. Yeah. And after a while, it gets boring. Desensitized, right? Yeah. It's just like, oh. Yeah, yeah it's like, our, I've already shot. seen that, you know. Um, so to come in with, you know, something at the end of it, just like, wow, that, I feel slightly better after seeing your film. Tell me about this secret sauce, you know, that you're, yeah. <laughs> that you're developing. Yeah. Um, did did you find um, many Christians in that industry as you got because because USC is I mean at the time and probably still today that was the mecca of of filmmaking you know master's degrees. Sure. Well, um, I I would say there's always been more people of faith involved in Hollywood than anybody ever realized. <laughs> right. Um, and they've maybe had different levels of being comfortable in sharing that due yeah. to the you know we'll say the climate uh, that they might be in or the company ethos that they're within. Um, but there's way more people um, than you realize. And people operating at the highest levels. I mean, even if you go back a few years, you have uh, movies like uh, Bruce Almighty or, or screenplays, you know, like Braveheart, written mm -hmm. and directed by people of, of faith, profound Christian faith, um, and major blockbusters. You know, you have people running whole television series, um, whether that's, you know, Joan of Arcadia or... Um, touched by an angel right mm -hmm. kind of very obvious in some cases to see but but you have people serving on sitcoms and you know uh saladin patterson who runs the wonder years on abc profound uh deeply committed hmm. uh christian you know so um it's not as rare as you'd think um and so again i wouldn't so i i i don't want to soft pedal the possibilities for young people <clears throat> in hollywood but I also want them to understand it's absolutely possible for you to make a difference and to move into positions of power and influence. Is it still, you know, when I when I grew up, I, I, I went to Grand Canyon, got a theater degree, you know, and wanted to be an actor. So I either moved to, I either got an MFA, which I didn't want to go to more school, or I moved to Hollywood, I moved to Chicago, I moved to New York. That was it. Those are the three options. Well, what's it like now for someone who wants to be an actor or a screenwriter or a filmmaker? Mm -hmm. Well, I think, the, again, <clears throat> in the, there's still that position of where you give up your power and you're hoping somebody's going to cast you. But now I feel like you can get together with your friends, write your own script, cast yourself, find a camera, find an editor, get a cinematographer, and do something for very low budget that can be seen overnight. Um, I, I encourage young people, if they're funny, just to put something funny on the Internet mm -hmm. and see how you might get discovered. I had a student a few years back who heard that Wes Anderson was supposed to direct a Spider-Man movie. Well, he thought that was both a terrible and a hilarious yeah, idea. Yeah. And so he made a trailer of what that Wes Anderson Spider-Man might look like. It was like a minute and a half long, and it was really funny. Um, and he got like two million views wow. within a week. And Jimmy Kimmel's people called him up and said, do you want to come make funny viral videos for us? Wow. And so he, he didn't, he never went to one film festival. Yeah. He, he went like literally straight from YouTube to work in, you know, uh, for ABC. Yeah. So, so that's, I mean, barriers obviously have been broken down. You have to have talent though, because, because you put it out right. there. Funny people... is still funny. Right. <laughs> right and unfunny right. is still unfunny. That's yeah, right. yeah. You have to know how to tell a story, right? <laughs> yes. um, those types of things. What about the other types of media? I mean, this, this is kind of focusing on, on, you know, film, 
but you know, you, you can't, I don't know, maybe you can, can, can you just like rent a hall and put on your own opera? Can you put on your own, you know, symphony, you know, right. I mean, some of these are still established, I guess you'd say. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But you start to see those, those, um, I would say we'll call them traditional fine arts. Mm-hmm. Also the things are starting to break down a little bit. So, you know, you might have, you know, the Los Angeles Philharmonic. I just saw they had a, a 90th birthday thing at the Hollywood Bowl featuring John Williams conducting. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, well, you're, we're doing classical music, but we're also doing Hollywood scores. Mm-hmm. Um, or you might even, I, I've seen uh, orchestras doing, you know, a video game nights. Right, right. Right. Yeah. And so, you know, you take a composer like Marty O'Donnell, a person of deep faith who wrote the 50 hours of scores for the Halo video games. Oh, really? Right? Wow, okay. And so here's a person who was kind of classically trained, created this beautiful, rich score, um, I think rooted in his understanding of both like good and evil and these eternal struggles that we understand sure. through a yeah. spiritual lens. Um, and now you have maybe, like I say, big orchestras around the world taking it seriously. Um, that, you know, there obviously even 25 years ago, I don't think you're going to have, you know, an orchestra symphony who's going to say, yeah, we'll do, we'll do some video game music. Right. Right. Yeah. So I I think we're starting to see, I guess I would call it a um, collapsing of barriers Mm. where high art and low art are, are kind of meeting a little more in the middle. It doesn't mean that there's not serious composers working on, you know, um, you know, profoundly beautiful, you know, Arvo Pirate, kind of, you know, John Adams, I, I don't know, you know, the different kinds of composers yeah, around right. the world. But um, the understanding that a new generation is used to getting their media in their phone and it's 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 YouTube and it's TikTok, right? It's yeah. music and it's film all collapsed into one thing on their phone. Yeah. And so if you're trying to communicate, you've got to figure out how to communicate through that medium. Yeah. Um, I think that's something that Grand Canyon has done very well is be kind of a media savvy place that understands that that's where young people live right on the internet and through their phones and social media and through their interrelationships. Yeah. You mentioned entrepreneurship too. Um, I, I, I love arts, fine arts and I love free market capitalism used to be never the twain shall meet. You're either an artist or you're the, that scumbag businessman, right? You know, trying to, trying to take my art and make money off of it. Now people are realizing it. And some of these are going, Hey, we can't fill a symphony hall. So let's do halo music. And now let's do Harry Potter scores, you know? Um, So that's kind of collapsing it too. And people are realizing they can carve out thousand true fans. I can build a business or to keep my business going. I've got to give the people what they want. Well, that's right. And and I think that's, um, it, it, what should we say? I don't want to call art a luxury, but it's like understanding that art needs to be as relatable as possible. That mm. art at its best is helping us connect our daily life to kind of these larger themes of like what is truth and what is love and what is suffering and what is grief and how do I process that? And it's just understanding that some of these popular things, say Harry Potter, um, you know, it's it's dealing with good and evil on a very deep fundamental level. And that's good material for whatever kind of musical drama or video game or uh, amusement park ride you want to put together. Um, and so it's I think it's just understanding the power of story mm-hmm. and how that uh, translates 
into whatever art form that you might be pursuing. So I've asked, I ask this to, to, to uh, coaches all the time, you know, that, that, that mindset, that drive to be a top high end, you know, is that just innate given? Can you create that? What about an artist? I mean, is it, I mean, how much is nature and how much is man, you're blessed, you're, you're gifted and how much is nurture? Well, I, I, I feel um, you have to offer uh, people permission to stop and pause long enough to try to see clearly. Mm. And it's in seeing things clearly, seeing what pain or suffering or beauty looks like, that then you then, in putting in the work to express that, are inviting others to stop and pause and reflect and say, ah, okay, I think I see what you're getting at here. And I'm starting to connect with that pain or that longing in my own life. Um, and so the driven artist is a tricky thing. You have to be mm -hmm. driven enough to survive <laughs> and, and to create a business. Put food on the table. Right. right. Um, but you also have to be slow enough or observant enough to show us something that the rest of us might have missed. And so it's, it's, um, it's, I think it's almost bringing that Jesus ethic, right, where it's like, how many different times do we hear he left the crowds, mm -hmm. right? So he leaves the crowds before he knows the crowds are going to return to him. And so it's, it's kind of doing enough private nurture to sustain your public uh, life. Mm -hmm. And that, I think, is the sustainable artistic mix that we're trying to engender in our students here at GCU. Um, how do you nurture your spirit through time with God, through time in nature, through time of just sitting still and reflecting and analyzing, and then taking what you've nurtured out into the public square in a smart, market-savvy way? Use the term "give people permission." Why? Why do you use that term, permission? Um, because we kind of beat ourselves up all the time and think I have to be, in a sense, efficient. Mm. And a lot of art, I think, is inefficient. It's it comes from wasting time, right? It's it's, <laughs> it's why we have good ideas when we're in like the shower, right? Or when we're working out, yeah. Or you know, on a bike ride. It's like when I'm not working on an idea, is when we get these answers to these ideas and these problems that might be haunting us and so it's attending to that time even dream time nighttime it's having a notebook beside your bed where that idea that comes from a dream and through your subconscious you're there to write it down so it's just attending to all those other in-between times because that, remember that's where those teachable moments that jesus had so many times it was like in between we're going from this place to this place he had an engagement he's going to the next place but the teachable moment the discovery was in the journey yeah. And so it's trying to get students to attend to that in a in a conscious way <laughs> yeah. to 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 not always put the pressure on themselves to perform but realize that when you're not performing is when God's performing something on you and in you and through you. Yeah, I remember a, a podcast I was listening to. I think it was Adam Carolla was saying his wife was getting on it because she said, "All you ever do is goof around with your friends and hang out. You don't do anything." He goes, that goofing around has given us two houses, multiple cars, <laughs> and a beautiful lifestyle. So, so get off my back. <laughs> That's it. That is my creativity, dear. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Do you find that, um, yeah, because, I mean, uh, yeah, the world today, but especially America, is like, man, go out there, get it done, make it happen. And there is a huge part of that. Do you find um, that's hard to get across to uh, students that, hey, there has to be a time of, of rest? 
a time of uh, reflection, a time to sit, and it's okay. You're still working. That's right. Um, well, that's why I called it permission because the wasting of time is, is viewed as almost like a, a stealing from God or something. And I just think it's like, no, no, you have to figure out how to waste time with God. Mm. That if you think about it, there's so many, so many moments and places of beauty that are kind of a waste, like that ladybug is mm-hmm. so small. Like, why go into all that detail and attention, right? But if you attend to that ladybug, you're like, what is up with that ladybug? Like, this is the craziest little invention, right, creation that I've ever seen. Um, and and so, so to not just step on it or or just walk right by it, but to actually sit with it and maybe kind of go, well, if God is into that level of detail, what level of detail is he into with me, you know? Yeah. Um, I just heard the other day that, you know, you have like a pack of wolves or, uh, you know, all these different uh, words, a uh, uh, pride of lions. Yeah. Uh, ladybugs is called a loveliness of ladybugs. Really? And so it's like, <laughs> it's like, all right, I might need to build a little loveliness into my life. <laughs> and maybe that's coming from going to the butterfly center out at the Desert Botanical Garden. Yeah. Yeah. And just spending time walking around. Did you always think this way? Was it for, kind of innate in you to, to have this kind of thought process, or was it was it something you matured into, learned into? I think it's I think it's trying to nurture a creative life, or a um, you know, it's like how do you generate ideas? You can't just generate ideas by thinking about generating ideas. Mm. You, you you have to yep. you have to spend time away from that. And for me, it's it's almost changing settings or mediums. Like one thing I love more than anything is snorkeling, because mm. I'm in a I'm in a completely different environment. I'm literally under the water, and it's like, what's this whole world under here yeah. that's different than mine? And sometimes I find when if I emerge from that water, it's like the ability to flip those the script and come up with a different angle on a scene, or to change my perspective on a character. It just starts to open up, and I can see. Oh, I, now I see where the plot is going. But it's like I had to get underground or underwater and change my setting or change my surroundings before I can change my thinking. Most other schools that are that are doing arts and media, especially if they're not uh, faith based, they're not they're not thinking this way, right? Typically, or are there? Did you find professors in in USC going, "Hey, you got to take time to relax and step back," and they just didn't call it maybe wasting time with Jesus. <laughs> they called it wasting time. <laughs> um, well, it's interesting, you know, creative people, like they, they understand like a word, like the muse, mm-hmm. right? The Greeks mm-hmm. would talk about the muse. Well, we would probably say, well, that's actually maybe the Holy spirit. Right? <laughs> right. But they have this sense of, of ideas, not just bubbling up, but also coming from outside. Right. Like mm-hmm. there's writers or songwriters will say, I just this melody just came to me and I just like wrote it down and just it, in like 10 minutes. You know, if you saw the uh, Beatles uh, Get Back documentary, you see the moment where Paul gets the riff for Get Back, the mm-hmm. song Get Back. And he's just like messing around and suddenly it like locks in and he's got a song and now Ringo's playing drums and, you know, George comes in with a little bit and suddenly you've got a song like mm-hmm. a top 10 classic number one song. Um, and so I think artists sometimes want to take credit. Like, yes, I did. This This is my idea. But I think the honest artist is like, I don't know where that came from. Mm -hmm. That came from outside of me. They just have a different language for uh, ascribing it. Yeah. Right. 
And so that if you think about it, even on Acts 17, right, Paul walks around the city in Athens and says, I see you're a very religious people. You've got all these statues to an unknown God. Right, right. Let me break it down for you and maybe give you some some verbiage or even a name (laughs) by which we now can describe this God. Yeah. You see that out there a lot. I mean, I don't know how many times you've watched a movie and you're like, they're talking about the Bible story. Like Harry Potter is saving the world. One person has the answer to the evil. You know, it's... It's there. It's right in front of them, whether they know it or not. Well, and, and I, I want to train both students as well as pastors and leaders to understand that, that uh, a lot of times we might feel the pressure, you know, as evangelists for like bringing things up. But I think that those stories, right, have already been imprinted on our hearts. And so it's connecting to the stories and the whispers in culture that are already occurring. Yeah, I love Eugene Peterson. He talked a lot about subversity being subverse in in the culture and not you know the chosen is unbelievable it's it's pretty right on the nose though you know what you're dealing it's it's a story of jesus right <laughs> which is fantastic quality wise everything it's we talked earlier years ago there was stuff that went out and you're like ooh, they got the story right but gee whiz this is horrible chosen is not that it's right. the whole it's shown the whole of the way but there's also these little subversive ways to kind of kind of flick at people and get them thinking and I love that. I love those possibilities. And, you know, I, I know people, you know, there's just like a director in Hollywood who made Exorcism of Emily Rose. And he would say, as a person of faith, I am trying to scare people and help them understand the reality of if there's a devil, maybe there's actually a God. Right. Yeah. So it's like an inverse relationship as you're scared and you start thinking about Ooh, is, where how much evil is there in the world? And where does it come from? Let's also talk about goodness and where that comes from. Um, so it's it's sort of understanding the various different ways you can express the the beauty and wonder of creation, um, even through some of our brokenness. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, we're obviously focusing on on film, and and that's your background. You've written books as well. Um, what what's what's the goal? You know, I mean, there's a bunch of different programs in here at GCU. Um, is there one like overarching goal for anybody who comes into this this college? Oh, College of Arts and Media. Yeah, I mean, we well, we our, our mission statement literally says we promote uh, flourishing through creative collaboration, authentic storytelling, and a missional spirit. And so that creative collaboration, I believe, that comes from God as the Creator who gave us these gifts and and empowered us even in the garden as stewards, as caretakers. That authentic storytelling is the, the parabolic nature of how Jesus communicated, using metaphors, using everyday life, talking about farming and all these different examples from people's everyday lives. And that missional spirit is really what came to us in the book of Acts, where we are now empowered by God to communicate across languages, across cultures, um, in the marketplace. And so that's what we're doing is we're, we're helping students learn to uh, collaborate on creative projects, um, to be authentic, to tell the truth, uh, to do what's good and, and beautiful, and then to figure out how to connect that to the marketplace, to be entrepreneurial enough to figure out what is it people are looking for and where are they looking for it, and how do I speak and enter into that space. So we don't care if you're a dancer, an actor, um, you know, a musician, singer, songwriter, uh, you might be a, a graphic designer, uh, maybe you're a visual effects artist. We've got room for all of you. 
as long as you want to tap into that creativity from God, that storytelling of Jesus, and that missional spirit that says, I want to reach audiences in a big, bold way. You've done a lot of things in your career. You seem really excited about this this step right here. Well, you know, um, um, I, when you reach a certain age, it's not that you stop creating, but you might realize <laughs> that you have fewer years to create than the people behind you and, and below you. And so uh, I'm, I'm excited about the divine handoff because that's all it's ever been, right? Jesus at the table saying, hey, I've got a meal here to share with you and some things that I want you to share with others. And so that's all we're doing. It's like, hey, if I got beat up in Hollywood for 25 years and I can shave off, you know, some of that pain and drama, uh, let me help you. Yeah. <laughs> let me give you a few a few tips that'll help you. And we've got a great team, a great staff, uh, incredible professors, you know, with very specific gifts. Some are trumpet players, you know, some are um, typographers, mm. uh, photographers, um, you know, set designers and builders. So it's like people might have a hammer, they might have a drill. Uh, it doesn't matter. There's all different ways to express your love for God yeah. in the College of Arts and Media at GCU. Yeah, it's exciting. I mean, I, I you know, I've, I've enjoyed the conversation. Thanks for, for all the time. We'll have to get back together and do it again. I know you've got a lot of things in the hopper here, so people need to keep their eye on what you guys are doing here in this college. But thanks so much for the time, Craig. I appreciate it. Thank you, Mike. Keep up. Great work. Hey, thanks for listening. We'll see you next time on the Pottercast.